across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is a brave new world out there today. The sun soars into the sky for a second day and the world looks like a much cheerier place, doesn't it? In our own country, there is even more reason to shout from the rooftops this morning and not just because it was the hottest March day in 53 years yesterday. No, it is the realisation that common sense has finally come to bear on those who have been trying to do the country down by making out that it's somehow a hotbed of racism. Today, we can officially deny that that is the case. Why? Because the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities has declared that not only is Britain not a racist country, it should actually be looked upon as and listen to this, a beacon to the rest of Europe and the world. Those are the words of Commission Chairman Tony Sewell, and it has completely upset the apple cart of all those activists and diversity champions that have for so long been trying to convince everyone that we all suffer from some kind of unconscious racial bias. Well, guess what? We don't. Let me just say that again. Britain should be a beacon to the rest of Europe and the world when it comes to race relations. No one is ever going to deny that there is racism in the country in the same way that there is discrimination in many areas of society. But this is great news for Britain and for those of us that for so long have been saying it. We'll be asking Lance Foreman, businessman and former MEP, what he makes of it all. 0344 499 Coming up later on, we've got Neil Oliver with his take on the Scottish leaders debate last night, albeit with one or two notable absentees. We'll also be talking to Oliver Mundell uh, for a Scottish Conservative MSP for Dumfrieshire uh, as part of our roundup of what's going on north of the border. We spoke to Kenny McCaskill the other day from the uh, from the ex-SNP and now Alba party. Uh, we'll be talking to lots of other people as well. Plus, Simon Calder joins us with news on the dire state of the travel industry and why Spain is now demanding that you wear a mask on the beach if you go there. Well, guess what? I won't be going there. Thanks very much indeed. As usual, of course, we need to hear from you. One of the hottest days ever yesterday went more and more people were out and about on the beaches, in the parks, uh, all sorts of shenanigans going on. Were you one of them? Tell us what your plans are for today and for the big upcoming Easter weekend. 0344-499-1000. Also, we'll be finding out why nearly 4 million vulnerable people are now being told there's no need to shield anymore from coronavirus, while the rest of us still can't do anything. It's a bit weird, isn't it? You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, I have to say, uh, never have I been so amused by the kind of the wailing and gnashing of teeth that's been going on all morning as I've been listening to various different radio stations and different television interviews of people who are terribly upset that it turns out Britain isn't a racist country after all. Now, you would might think that that would be cause for celebration. Certainly in my case, I've been saying this for a very long time. I never believed that this country was institutionally racist. Of course, there are racist people and racist individuals in the country, as there are in every country. But this country as a whole is one of the most diverse, one of the most welcoming and one of the most filled with immigrant countries in the entire Western world. And so people should not be seeking to divide and conquer. People should not be seeking to make out that we're hateful. People should not be looking for insults and offence at every single turn. What this diff- what this interesting um, commission report has found, rather than being a racist country, Britain still is very much divided by class. White working class boys are still the, one of the most uh, 
terribly treated groups of people in the world. Many white working class boys will never reach the levels of higher education, will never reach above minimum wage, will never get jobs that are in any way providing for them uh, to have a decent lifestyle. And that is the real truth of what is going on in this country. It's a social problem. It is not a racial problem. Let's talk now to Lance Foreman, businessman, former MEP, of course, to find out what he makes of it. Lance, a very good morning to you. And a very good morning to you, Mike. I have to say, I've never been quite so gobsmacked as I am this morning, listening to some of these people who are terribly disappointed at the news that uh, that Britain isn't racist. Um, I, we're just living in strange times at the moment. When there's good news, people want to diss it. When there's bad news, they ignore it. It's it, it's a very strange thing. There seems to be a you know I, I think a strange paradox at the moment that. Um, the, the, the less racist we become as a society, the more people call us out for racism. Yeah. And it's just uh, it's just very, very strange. Um, you know, even from my own background, you know, my, my own family have suffered a particularly unique type of racism, anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish yeah. racism. Yeah. Um, a, a couple of years ago, when I stood as a um, Brexit Party MEP, I ended up with a 30-foot swastika daubed on my building um that's amazing you know, isn't how, it? how is how is that possible you know my, my dad is actually a holocaust survivor and i'm and i end up with a swastika on my building and the odd thing was they weren't it wasn't a racist attack they were basically saying that i must be the racist because i was supporting brexit right oh, so, so they were making out that so, so they so they were so they were making out that you were somehow uh likened to the nazis it, that, that's right. And, and I just, I, you know, literally almost every other tweet you see on Twitter now has the word racist or racism in there. It's just thrown around and it's become, it's actually um, devalued what is a very, very serious issue. Mm. And uh, I, I was horrified, actually. There was um, a report a few months back by Christiane Amanpour on CNN yeah. where she was likening um you know trump's america to sort of nazi germany yeah. and and the, the, the problem with that well the problem when you throw around words like racism you know every, every other word what you're doing is actually you're you're devaluing what it really means because if if young kids growing up thinking you know this is this is you know the racist society that it was under the Nazis. Maybe it, could, it maybe wasn't that bad under the Nazis. Well, and I mean, it's horrific. They were murdering people, mutilating them, putting them in vans and gassing them. You know that is not going on in Britain or Western society today. Yeah. You know people do discriminate. People have choices, but you can't you can't legislate for what people think. It's when people persecute on the on the back of it that you have a problem, as indeed you do in China at the moment mm. with the Ouija Muslims. And and what are we doing about that? We're not really doing very much. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because all of those people on the left side of politics who have been crying wolf about people like Donald Trump and Boris Johnson being similar to the Nazis haven't got much to say about China, strangely, have they? Yeah, no, that's an, it's another very, very odd paradox. You know, we seem to be very good at beating ourselves up um but you know that you know i i just you know i don't understand it it's, mm. um you know i i can't really get into that sort of headspace there seems to be some kind of you know masochistic uh you know a sort of victim culture you know uh that that's sort of underlying all of this mm. and um it, you know 
I think it's, I, I think it's problematic. Yeah, we, I think it is. And, and, let's, going on and let's face it, Lance, there are an awful lot of what I would regard as white middle class people who are the biggest uh, noisemakers on this issue, who are banging on uh, about how racist we are as a country, uh, banging on about how terrible it is that we treat people with different coloured skin differently. And basically, these are not people who have much, much experience whatsoever of any kind of racism, of any kind of inner city living, of any kind of, you know, poverty, which is where many of the problems in this country lie. And it's nothing to do with race. It's everything to do with class. And it's everything to do with a lack of resources, isn't it? Um, I don't know if it is about just about a lack of resources. I mean, one might think that in a very successful economy, you would see less racism. But then, you know, you look to countries like, say, Qatar, uh, and, um, you know, there, there's huge racism there. And they're, you know, one of the richest countries per capita on the planet. So yeah. it's not just about economics. And, and I think it is hard to understand the lived experience of somebody from an ethnic background or indeed a Jewish background, if you're not Jewish. I mean, it, it's difficult to understand that. But on the, on the other hand, if you look at things objectively, we are clearly not a racist society. You know, you look at, you know, all the leading professions, you have people from ethnic minorities in those professions. In the cap, we've got the most diverse cabinet now mm. that I think we've ever had. Yeah. You know, some of the lead cabinet ministers are from ethnic minorities. I mean, your the colour of your skin and your religion does not hold you back in Britain today. There's absolutely no question of that. If you want it to hold you back, that's your problem. Mm. But it's not a problem for society at all. You can do any job you want to now. Um, and... Uh, I think the report, you know, I think that report is pretty accurate. Yes. Now, when I, when I said lack of resources, I didn't mean a lack of resources from the country's perspective. I meant from, um, you know, the, the, the poor parts of, of Britain's perspective, for example. I mean, I was talking about Lisa Nandy earlier, who is the MP for Wigan. I went to Wigan, um, not because I particularly wanted to, but it was a stop off on the way up to uh, Trump Turnbury, where I went for Christmas a few, a few years ago. And Wigan looks like one of the most deprived areas of the world, never mind of Britain. And if you're growing up as a white working class kid in Wigan, the chances of you becoming a successful uh, entrepreneur or a successful businessman or woman are practically zero. Yeah, well, that's that. that yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. And yes, it is, you know, you know, your upbringing and uh, you, you know, the sort of class background that will have a, a much bigger impact, um, you know, on your future. But then people do pull through from all sorts of backgrounds too. I mean, they do. Uh, no, of course they do. And people will always use Alan Sugar as an example, uh, some footballers who do terribly well. But it's still overarching uh, that the problem is about class and it's about money more than it is about colour. That, that's true. But, of course, you get cultural uh, you know, cultural issues exist too. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of discussion about whether... You know, uh, crime in particularly in um, black African families is is not because people are black. It's because of, you know, absent uh, fathers, um, which are sort of cultural, uh, cultural issues rather than sort of race issues. Um, and a similar and it's a similar story, actually, for a lot of white working class boys, too, because they have a lot of absent fathers, too, um, an awful lot of single mothers bringing up an awful lot of children. Um, some would argue many more children than they probably should have had. That's true, and and they get drawn, you know, into the sort of you know these drug gangs too. It's you know it's 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 both black and white that's uh, that's a problem here. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, cu coming back to the uh, coming back to the original question, you know, we should be celebrating. You know, we should be celebrating. We are a very diverse country, mm. which is why over the years people have wanted to come here. You know, they, they, I think people do sense it and they feel it. You know, that we 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 are a very law-abiding country, and um, you know, I, I think that's why people have been you know desperate to come to Britain. You know, all these people trying yeah. to get across uh, from for, Calais, for many for many generations. Why, why, why do they not want to end up in France? They want to come over to Britain because we are you know very civilised and welcoming country. Well, people who know France very well say to me that France is a very racist country. And if you happen to be from an ethnic minority living in Paris, you are more than likely to be in a ghetto. You're more than likely to be unable to get a job. And you're more than likely to be the subject of, uh, of police brutality, much more so than living here. You, you, you might well be, but I wouldn't really want to say anything negative about the French. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> that's, that's well, Maybe not, to everybody else. Well, this is the um, thing. But how about this, right? Graham, without wishing to minimise um, this by bringing in Harry and Meghan to it, but Graham has tweeted to say, Harry and Meghan have escaped this racist country to flee to America where a white police officer is on trial for killing a black man by kneeling on him. I wonder if they will read this report. And that's a very good point because, I mean, the, the narrative that we've seen over the past few weeks and months, Lance, and some of it perpetuated in that recent interview uh, by Harry and Meghan with Oprah Winfrey, is that, you know, the establishment of this country is effectively racist, but they don't really know that they're racist. We've seen Sharon Osbourne losing her job at CBS on the grounds that she defended Piers Morgan and was then called a racist because they think he's a racist. I mean, it is an industry and it is ridiculous now. It, 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 it is. I mean, I, that was appalling. And, you know, when you start accusing, you know, the Queen, the royal family, the whole of Britain as being racist, it actually, you know, it, it actually creates a lot of resentment. And, uh, you know, I think people tend to feel that, you know, they are balanced and, you know, you know, we're not racist. And when people accuse you of something which you're not, it, it, it actually, you know, it, it, it does build, you know, it does, I mean, you can just brush it off, but I think in a lot of people, it just makes them angry. No, exactly and, right. And, and quite, reason, quite reasonably so. And, um, you know, and, and, and the ridiculous thing is, you know, it's, you know, we're talking, you know, we're talking about a very serious issue that's been thrown around in a very petty way. Mm. Um, there is, you know, there is not serious racism in, racism in Britain today. This report demonstrates it. You know, the fact that black ethnic minority kids are doing better than white kids from deprived backgrounds. The fact that you can literally get any job you wanted you know, it just dem you know, it, it's it's obvious if you look at the thing objectively. We are not a racist society, and um, you know, we should be celebrating that. We need yeah. to we need to end all this chatter about how racist and terrible we are, and actually start talking about the positives and you know, singing about them because you know, this is you know. Th th this is a real positive. Well, that's right. And also one of the interesting findings of the report is that this unconscious bias that we've been told about for the best part of the last year that we all suffer from. Uh, but of course, you can't prove that we suffer from it because we don't know that we suffer from it. And therefore, we didn't uh, have a clue that we suffered from it. Uh, the report actually says that we should get rid of this phrase unconscious bias and we should not be looking to find racism in people who are not outwardly racist. You know, we are humans with brains and we are unconsciously biased towards everything. That's how you make choices. Some people prefer blue to pink and, you know, tall to short and blondes to brunettes. And, you know, these are unconscious biases that we have as humans. Um, but as long as you're not 
you know, as long as you're not discriminating and persecuting somebody as a result of that bias, what does it matter? We all make choices, you know, whether you're, you know, if you're black, you're going to make a choice. If you're Asian, you're going to make a choice. If you're white British, you're going to make a choice. But as long as it doesn't harm other people, mm. what difference does it make? Yeah. You know, in my bus in my business, you know, we will we will employ the best person for their job. I mean, I don't even you know, when somebody comes for an interview, I don't even you know, you just look straight past their colour. You're just looking you at their CV, you're looking where they're keen to work, where they're skilled. That's what matters. And I think that again, most business people in the UK now will do the same, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, funny enough, I was asked that question not that long ago. Um, unexpectedly, somebody said, "What's your, what, what, how would you describe your ethnicity? Actually, I didn't know. I said, I don't know. I said, well, if it helps you, I was born in London and my parents were from Scotland. What does that make me? And they said, oh, that's probably white British then. And I went, all right, if you say so. But, I mean, it means nothing to me. I don't ask for people's ethnicity. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you look like. I really honestly could only take any offence if, if you said something offensive. Um, if you said something horrible, if you were a nasty person, if you weren't good at your job. But as, aside from that, I don't actually care who you are. Yeah. Well, I, I tend to agree. And I, I, perhaps, you know, perhaps all this focus um, on uh, race and ethnicity and so on over the last 30, 40 years and all the box ticking that we have to do and everything, maybe that's creating more of a problem. I think it is. Um, you know, and, and, and actually we should just get rid of it now and, and just be grown up about it and just get on with life because, mm. you know, it's, a, a lot of this is not, you know, it's just about living with other people and shared experiences. You know, that's how that's how racism yeah. disappears. You know, a lot of it's built on fear and distrust. Yes. But the more you engage and mix with other people, the more you realise that everybody's just like you with the same fears, the same worries, the same hopes and so on. Yes. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what your, your, your background is. And uh, all this, you know, having to tick a box, you know, what ethnicity are you, that makes you focus on, on something we shouldn't be focusing right. on. We should be focusing on, you know, that's how to be good people. Exactly right. And, I mean, talking of that, let's move on to uh, the state of uh, play at the moment regarding the lockdown and everything else. I mean, they're going to be lifting um, restrictions on uh, those people who have been shielding tomorrow, nearly four million people who are apparently vulnerable, uh, who are now being told, don't worry, uh, you can now go back out again. Now, if that's the case, why can't the rest of us do anything? Um it's beyond me, Mike. I know you're not responsible for this. I just think that there's, again, seems to be a complete derangement. You know, we've spent the year, you know, praying for vaccines. Yeah. We've got the vaccines. We've done a fantastic job in getting these vaccines out there. We should be freeing ourselves up right away. We should not be holding back a, a second longer. You know, if we're worried about, you know, if we're worried about some mutant uh some mutant strain of uh covid what are we going to do just keep locking down forever until we've found some kind of you know generic vaccine that works for every possible virus is it this is crazy mm. you know we we have to we you know we we really need to open up as soon as possible the fact that 99 percent, i think now of the most vulnerable uh, uh people and the oldest people that were you know at greatest risk of death the fact that they have now been vaccinated and maybe not a second vaccine, but even the first one gives you 85 to 90 percent of the, 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 the protection. Mm. We shouldn't be waiting. We should be opening up right away. Let's seize the moment. We've got ahead of the game. You know, we were, you know, Kate Bingham did a brilliant job in securing those vaccines. Let's seize that opportunity. You know, what are we waiting for? Mm. 
Um, it's, it, it, I say, I, I just cannot get into the mindset of, you know, you, you, you hear cabinet ministers saying, well, you know, we can't, you know, we, we, we have to we have to go slowly and do this slowly. Why? I we know. don't have to do it slowly. Right. We need to do it yesterday. Exactly. I mean, it's just, um, you know. Well, it's, well it's, you, and I, you and I are on the, absolutely the same page there. How's business, by the way, before I let you go, Lance? How are you getting on? Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, we... We, we're very lucky that we had uh, something we could pivot into. So our home delivery business, you know, all this wonderful food that we make and deliver to people's homes around the country, that has gone phenomenally well. Mm. Um, but, you know, our, our heritage and our, you know, is in supplying sort of the top end restaurants and hotels and caterers and that just doesn't exist. Right. And, and to be honest, I personally don't think that that's going to come back this year. Mm. Um, I think local restaurants will, you know, when restaurants open, I think local restaurants will start to do okay. But I think some, some of those big catering companies and so on, it's not going to happen this year because, um, well, the number of reasons, first of all, a lot of a lot of what happens in central London depends on foreign tourism. Right. And you're not going to have the foreign sort of business people and travelers here yet. Um, Secondly, I think business meetings and certainly business event type uh, sort of conferences and things, you know, they just don't happen overnight. They take a long time to plan. So mm. next year they'll come back. But I think the biggest single thing is that I think a lot of people in the hospitality industry are very, very worried that come October and November, we're going to be told that we've got to close down all over mm. again. So the idea of gearing up now for two or three months in the summer only to be closed down again, sort of, you know, it really, you know, it destroyed a lot of the businesses last summer and uh, autumn. And I think that they want to see a clear winter. If we have, you know, if we get through this winter without any lockdowns uh, at all, then I think that 2022, we will be booming. You know, that will be, you know, the roaring 20s. Yes. Uh, but I just don't think it's going to happen this year. Well, I'm going to be out there uh, as fast as I can be uh, come April the 12th. So uh, I shall be doing my very best to get you back into business properly, Lance. Um, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Lance Foreman, businessman, former MEP. Uh, they're talking about the way uh, that this country has been seen and the way it's been portrayed over the years, quite often by what I would regard as professional uh, racialists, if you like, not because they are racist, but because they are racialists, because what they see uh, is an opportunity to make an awful lot of money uh, by seeking to cause division by seeking to make um, you know it necessary for companies to have diversity training to make it important for companies to have unconscious bias training and according to this new report that should be phased out of all companies in this country. And I think this is a big day uh, for those of us who have always said that this is a fair country. If there is any unfairness in it, if there is any inequality, it is not based on the colour of anybody's skin, but it is based uh, on the richness of society. And people who are poor in this country are far worse off than anybody else, regardless of the colour of their skin. And that's what we need to fix. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're going to talk now about the travel business. You might have heard Julia Hartley Brewer asking me earlier uh, whether I might go to Spain for a summer holiday, given that they are now demanding that we must wear a mask, not only as you are walking around on the streets, but also on the beach, for heaven's sake. Let's talk to Simon Cole, the travel editor at the Independent. Simon, a very good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Mike. I'm not wearing a mask. You'll be glad to learn. Um, but um, I am most definitely concerned about this because um, I've carbon dated the very first 
flight <laughs> that could possibly get you and I on our long-awaited yes. holiday to uh, Malaga on the 17th of May. Very first one, EasyJet from Gatwick, 5.45 a.m. We'll be on the beach by breakfast time. Um, which would be great. We'll miss Julia's show, but there we are. Listen, um, we can and, always um, catch it up later on YouTube. Of course, of course, yes, absolutely. And then uh, we will get, uh, uh, so that'll be great, except we'll be on the beach wearing masks, which will be slightly well, uncomfortable. I've already and, spotted a flaw in your plan, I'm afraid, Simon, because I won't be going with you because there's oh, many there's many um, tan marks that I've had in the past, but what I don't <laughs> fancy is a great big square over the underside of my nose. It's white. I, I think you're speaking for the entire public. They're, they're actually, um, thank you. Uh, yeah, it is going to be a problem. And actually, increasingly, I'm talking to people who are saying, I'm not worried about COVID when I go abroad. I am worried that I'll spend hundreds, thousands of pounds and I won't have a very nice time because yeah. um, the restrictions will be on and we just don't know what's going to happen. So right. it is... Uh, also, are you going to get, I mean, say, for example, they do this in Italy, and I only say Italy because I want to use the word carabinieri. You know, if they turn up <laughs> on the beach waving sticks about and making you yeah. sure that you're two metres away from your nearest sunbathing partner, I mean, that's not a yeah. holiday, is it? Certainly isn't. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as we know from last year's experience, actually, the, um, uh, can I say, Guardia Civil. Well done. Um, in, thank you very this is much. now a competition. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in, in Spain, we're being very, you know, very, very uh, uh, heavy-handed on, yeah. on uh, tourists. Um, uh, now, it depends sort of where you are, and each of the bits of Spain has quite a lot of autonomy, so it might not be the case in Mallorca or Tenerife, mm. but um, it's a bit worrying. However, there is good news on the horizon in the shape of um, Malta has just said, we're going to open up to vaccinated Brits from the 1st of um june which okay. is nice of them um of course as as you know the law remains here you shall not go on holiday we might let you out from the 17th of may onwards but we're not making any promises we find out more oddly on easter monday yes i understand there's some kind of task force looking into all of this because uh, i was talking to somebody the other day who said that they were quite hopeful that the government would in some way shape or form lift quite a lot of restrictions for flying abroad around about july well, um, yeah, we've got the Global Travel Task Force, which is run by the Department for Transport and the Department of Health. And it's got lots of people from the uh, various parts of the um, travel industry on it. Mm. Now, just I would hesitate because we actually had a Global Travel Task Force last year and I read their report, which they published in November and it said among other things it's really important that as people get vaccinated we have some kind of certification for yes. them wouldn't it be a great idea to do that and now the government's sort of acting as though it's only just thought of that whereas in fact it knew that was necessary um, last November right. another idea is that I mean, separate from the things that they give you because I've seen these cards that people get um, oh, yes. when they've had the vaccination so is that the yeah. thing you're going to flash at the, at the airport then no, no. Well, of course. I mean, you're, you're, you're. Um, I'm just looking for for mine, if I can. Yeah, here we are. So, so that um, if you remember um, uh, blockbuster video in the early nineties, yes. it looked very similar. Well, James um, Whale showed me one, and I was some, somewhat underwhelmed. <laughs> I thought to myself, you know, I mean, in this day and age, you thought they could have come up with something slightly more digitally secure rather yes, than something well, that somebody scribbled on. Well, yeah, I mean, um, it's not just James. I mean, they didn't give him a especially, especially bad one. Um, uh, it, it is a bit, a bit kind of um, analog, a bit twentieth uh, century. It is. Um, 
and and th- th- they recognised that that would be necessary and a really useful thing in November. And so far, exactly nothing seems to have happened. I mean, mm. say what you like about the Europeans, and I know you do, but um, they are actually on the same page with the digital health certificate, which is um, uh, going to be ready, hopefully, by the summer to ease ease one's progress between well, the suppose, nations I mean, of the I suppose EU. the other problem, Simon, is is the rate of infection in in, in, in countries in Europe at the moment, which which I, oh, I yeah. suppose people will hope will go down by the summer. But at the moment, it's probably too high for anybody to go there anyway. No, sure. I mean, it is horrible. Well, I was going to say out of control. No, I mean, I think the vaccine will will turn it round. Although Angela Merkel was saying, "Oh, not sure about this AstraZeneca." They seem Doesn't to be ga- gazing towards uh, Comrade Putin uh, for help on uh, the vaccine. Yes, which is of course. An well, interesting development. Uh, exactly. Yes, him and his uh, Sputnik V. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an absolute mess. They've made a complete pig's ear of it but the the digital health certificate i think will will improve things and we might even get a variant even though of course we're sorry a variant of the certificate mm. can i say variant without scaring people well as long as, you, as long as you don't say uh, in the same sentence as how frightened should we be of it yeah okay yes so um, i think you're all right I, I, there um and the other thing that the uh, global travel task force did in in november was say tell you what um, we've got people coming back from uh, various countries around the world. And if they just spend an hour in a transit airport, suddenly they might be you know, having to go and stay in a hotel for 11 nights. Yes. And that's exactly what's happening. And at the time, they said in November, what we're going to do is just find some way of having a kind of secure transit where you are not going to have to. Um, you know, there are people sitting in hotels 10 miles away from me here in um, in, in Heathrow paying £1,750 because they spent an hour in Dubai or Doha airport. Right. And the government recognised this is a problem and said we're going to do something about it. That was November. It's almost April and nothing has happened. Right. So therefore, when the Global Travel Task Force reports and on Monday we will get more details, what I've said to the government is, for goodness sake, just tell us the data that you are looking at so that me and Mike and his lovely listeners can work out roughly, you know, whether we're going to be able to get to Spain, what the problems could be if we want to go to um, uh, Malta or Mm. Greece or Turkey or the US or Mm. whatever. Just tell us what what you're working with so we know what we can work with. But my betting is that we will just get more kind of bluster about all variants of concern and, you know, we'll do our best. We know that the travel industry is suffering and we need to know people need to get abroad, but we've got to be careful. It's got to be safe. Well, if you're waiting for it to be completely safe, you will be waiting forever. Exactly right. And that's what I was saying earlier in the week. What about the uh, visitor attractions in this country? There's a report, oh. I understand, that you've written about already this morning saying that uh, attraction yeah. uh, business was down by 70%. So, I mean, things are things are not great here either. Oh, they are just terrible. And it's going to get more. Hopefully it's going to get better. But, I mean, it is just an absolutely catastrophic report. This is the Association of Leading Visitor Attractions. And they obviously represent all the big attractions from the British Museum to Edinburgh Castle to Titanic Mm. Belfast. And they just count up the number of people and they see how they did last year. And if we'd been talking um, a a couple of years ago, it would have been, oh, yeah, things doing really well. Um, Now it's it's simply a question of how badly have you done compared with everybody else. So the star performer I've just discovered is um, uh, 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 Leith Hall which, despite the name, is Aberdeenshire. Oh, is and it? that only lost 7% of its visitors. Uh-huh. Um, 
as opposed to poor old Mary Arden's house. I know you, as a great Shakespeare scholar, you've probably been to all the attractions. Well, in do this you know, those first, those first two, not only have I not been to them, I've never heard of them. Okay, well, I'm Sorry. doing my best. Um, <laughs> they, 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 um, they lost 99% of their visitors. They only had 600 all year, which works out fewer than two a day. Goodness um, me. Which is, which is absolutely dreadful. And, um, yeah, it, 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 a catastrophic year. Um, and, of course, Britain really very heavily dependent um, on tourism, people coming into right. the UK, particularly in London. It's an absolute well, disaster. You may know that you may know this, Simon, as I look to my left, uh, out the sort of panoramic views over London, I see right to the Tower of London, which is right up. Yes. Uh, which is one of my favourite attractions in the world, actually. Um, but they've presumably suffered pretty badly as well. Oh, well, just yes. I mean, numbers have, have collapsed um, at the moment. Everything is closed in England. We will. There's already some gardens and things which are open. Uh, we'll get a few more opening on the 12th of April, and then 17th of May is when, uh, for instance, the Tower of London should be yes. back in action and trying to recover. But um, so many of these places are so dependent on foreign visitors, mm. and effectively, Visit Britain has kind of thrown the towel in and said, "Well, you know, we might get a few, but we're not actually going to get." any in any significant yes. numbers till till later in the year so it's absolutely miserable so i would i would enjoy your your view and the calm and emptiness although i thought you had a panoramic view of your producers mostly which <laughs> i do but good. i prefer to look out the window to be honest it's a far more appealing <laughs> uh, landscape but here's the thing uh, kept, yeah. what, what i was going to say i mean london in particular just before this pandemic was very very busy i used to get to the point where i was actually complaining there were so many people here and you would come up on the boat you know the Thames Clipper as you approach the Tower of London's pier and there would literally be hundreds of people waiting to get on I remember trying to get on one of the boats once in the summer uh, down at Westminster Pier and the queue was so long that I didn't realise it was a queue I thought they were queuing up for something else and I walked to the front and they went no there's a queue I said well how long is this going to take and they were like probably about three boats full which is an hour and the same with Uh, Borough Market I mean I've spoken to some of the people in Borough Market who have said actually we quite like the fact that it's a bit quieter because it was getting to the point where you couldn't move. You literally were, you know, cheek by jowl next to people uh, from every single part of the world that had come to visit London. And I don't think it's ever going to be that busy again, do you? Well, it's difficult to say. I mean, uh, um, what you can say is that Brexit will, uh, you know, at the moment, um, uh, coronavirus is camouflaging everything, but there will be a very significant negative Brexit effect um, in terms of connectivity to the UK, um, but also because um, actually from October, um, all the Europeans who come here on their ID cards will be told, oh, you're not coming in with that, mate. You're going to have to go and queue up in your local post office, spend €100 Euros if you want to come to Britain. And about 100 million people who might come here um, will say, well, no, thanks, because I can go to you know 30 other countries without having to get a passport and I'll just do that. So um, that's going to be a problem as well. Um, However, however, in the past hour, Mike, if I can just bring you the latest on traffic statistics, I'm I'm looking at (laughs) how to enjoy myself in these difficult and dark days. Listen, we've all got Um, to get new hobbies. What can I tell you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm reading an Excel spreadsheet, which has just arrived. Right. um, uh, It's not one of those ones from Downing Street. No, it's, it's worse than that. It's It's got about a billion numbers on it, but I'm on row 401, which tells me that on Monday, um, it was the busiest day on Britain's roads since before Christmas. Wow. Um, 78% of the usual 
um, uh, cars were, were out um, 108% of the usual lorries. So uh, o- o- something odd there. And um, in, in, in terms of uh, London, specifically uh, tube use highest since before Christmas and also bus use. Mm. Um, in fact, London's buses for the first time for months actually carried half as many passengers as usual. So mm. things are sort of getting better uh, in terms of, of um people traveling around but it's still going to cause an awful lot of uh economic pain to an awful lot of people who depend on them um, depend on us moving around and of course don't forget you and your listeners are paying one million pounds an hour to keep those trains running empty all around the country right. they they are da- they're still only one one in five of the um, <laughs> usual passenger numbers Unbelievable. I don't know who's running this country, Simon, but I'm beginning to think they don't know what they're doing. I don't know about you, but uh, that's uh, good uh, information from Simon Calder. As ever, thanks for talking to us. Travel editor, of course, at The Independent. Travel guru uh, to uh, us here at Talk Radio. A man that knows everything there is to know about what is going on out there. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, let us, without further ado, cross over to the border, uh, which is uh, with England and Scotland, and further north than that, uh, a place called Stirling, where Neil Oliver is. Neil, a very good morning to you. Good morning, mate. Good to see you. Yeah, very good to see you too. Now, I didn't see uh, the debate last night and we've spoken to Kelly McCaskill uh, this week on the show. We're going to be speaking to all the other parties as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you, what, first of all, what you made of it, because I'm reading what's been written about it and it seems that Nicola Sturgeon got uh, a bit of a roasting. Uh, I thought it was a bit disappointing, to be honest. I'm not. A, I'll be honest and say I'm not a big fan of, of these uh, televised debates mm. uh, that's just a personal take i, I don't particularly go, uh, think that's the i think there's there are performing there are performers in that arena yeah. um that are able to employ skills uh, and just because they can be, be successful in a in a debate i don't know that it necessarily means that that identifies the sort of person that should be you know leading a country and making policy decisions however that said I, i'm sure a lot of people were kind of d- disappointed that um that it wasn't graced by the presence of people like Alex Salmond and mm. George Galloway. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think I think then if if the, if those if those um, uh, alpha dogs had been in the room, I think everyone would have sat back and said, "Now we've got a party." Now you've got a show, yeah. <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> um, but as as it was, I, th- I thought it was a bit a bit flat, really. Uh, yes, uh, the first minister did uh, uh, field a lot of uh, challenging questions from members of the public, uh, who a, a lot of it was about um, should what's the the justification for in this time of pandemic and and in this necessity to focus all efforts on recovery, why would you promise to hold another uh, undoubtedly divisive mm. uh, referendum on the matter of Scottish independence? You know, why would you divert people's attention away from rebuilding the economy, fixing education, fixing everything that needs to be fixed in the aftermath of this dreadful year that we've just been through? Mm. Why would you throw into the mix another uh, divisive uh, campaign about about independence, she, and she did uh, look uncomfortable uh, dealing with with a lot of that. Uh, you know, some of the other performers, and Asan Anwar, the the Labour man, was you know was uh, was was good. The others, you know, other other speakers, you know, came across as capable. And they took uh, questions. It was, it was a I was it was a lacklustre yes. event. No, I'm I'm a bit like you, Neil. I mean, I remember watching one of the debates that was uh, held in uh, one of our elections. I think it was the one where Nick Clegg was still running the Lib Dems. And there were so many people on the stage that they literally only had something like 35 seconds to answer each question. And it was impossible to make any kind of judgment at all based on the, their performances because they were so short. 
Yeah, I, I think I think auditioning is something obviously that we've, that we've imported from America, um, and I think it's a it's like a talent show. I think it it comes out of the same stable as uh, you know Britain's Got Talent and X Factor. It, it's just it's just a spectacle to watch how people perform for three minutes under a spotlight and mm. I, I, and whoever is deemed or or, or or judged to have won a debate I I don't think it translates necessarily into having identified the right person for such an important job as leading a country no quite exactly right but I mean I suppose uh, the addition of having questions coming from an audience as well who were all I think on zoom because I've seen a couple of these on uh, on social media also kind of jumbles it all up and complicates it in a way because you're having to kind of concentrate on the quality of the call and the quality of the line and all of that stuff um, and I'm not sure that it's the best way to find out what politicians actually think no, I think we're surely we've all, I mean, you and I, here we are basically, you know, you, well, it's a video call that we're, that we're taking part in and it, it's just become such a an, an enervating feature of life in a way that we all our interactions with people where you want to be in the room with people, mm. you know, because there's, there's so much more, uh, you know, to be had from actually, you know, being in a you know, in a studio or in a theatre or in an auditorium where you can actually literally gauge the temperature of the room. Yeah. Uh, and yes, the, you know, some people are, are better in the face of this emergent fledgling technology mm. than others. And, mm. and yes, you get distracted by by uh, pixelations and, and disconnections and breaks in the transmission. And it's less, it's just like everything's just suboptimal. Everything yeah. about the last year has just been <laughs> inadequate. Well, it has, hasn't it? And we've been sort of forced and made to put up with things that we otherwise would never have put up with. I mean, you know, the news this morning that we got from Spain, that if you go to Spain on holiday, they want you to wear a mask on the beach. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. I'm, there's no chance of that ever happening. So I won't be going to Spain uh, until such time as that's not there. That's how I feel. And I wrote uh, at the weekend there um, about the, the religious element that, that has undoubtedly come into the way in which um, COVID is being uh, uh, applied mm. and the way in which people are following the regulations, I, I think, I, I, I suggest that in the absence of organised religion, you know, people don't believe in nothing, they believe in anything. And I think uh, the, the the rules that have been laid down uh, by, uh, in terms of the COVID lockdown, have given people sets of rules to obey. And they've also, in the same way that a religion often does, it gives people uh, the, a feeling that they have the right to exclude those who are other, those outsiders, you know, those who are not submitting to the same uh, rules and regulations. You know, for a lot of people, you know, religions form perform other functions and give them other comforts in their mm. life. But there are there are always those, you know, who are drawn to organised religion because it gives them the opportunity to exclude others. Yes. And I see that. And I'm quite sure I'm 100 percent positive that no matter what happens uh, in the next few months, there will be many, many people will continue to wear masks. Yeah. Possibly forever. I think that I think that there will be people who will adhere to some of these regulations, social distancing, hand washing, mask wearing uh, and other diktats because they, they have drawn comfort from mm. what has become an ersatz uh, religion yeah. for people. And and, the, and there are too many people who, who will take it as an opportunity to exclude the vaccines going to do the same thing. There mm. are going to be the clean and the unclean, uh, which there's going to be a two tier uh, society mm. possibly going forward with these passports and oh god I just used the going forward line did you hear that Mike? I did I tried I can to, only apologise see that it slipped in it yeah just, I know it just 
It, 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 does, it, it does happen. I mean, because you find yourself sort of scrambling about sometimes oh. for, for, for words. And I mean, you and I, um, me to a slightly larger extent, spend a lot of time every single day talking, right? Um, I was delighted um, to read this morning, and I'm going to come on to this in a minute with you, about this whole um, racial um, report which has come out in which, you know, Britain has been declared to be not institutionally racist. And a number of people who I've heard already this morning on various different broadcast networks sort of sounding disappointed that this is the case is quite remarkable. You know, the people who make a living out of this kind of race industry, the people who have been telling us for months and months and months that we all have white privilege and that we basically should know better and not to criticise anyone who accuses you of racism because you can't know what that's like because you're white. Yeah, I've I've been I've been desperate and despairing in the, in the face of a lot of the running down of Britain that's been going on uh, for years. Right. Uh, you know, and I've 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 spoken publicly in theatres up and down the country about my love of the British Isles and and it not being a, a blind love, you know, and it not being a triumphalist, you know, we are better than you kind of love. It's just a, a love of knowing a place intimately. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I hear Britain being run down, and let's say in, in this context as being institutionally racist, I, I always want to shout from the rooftops, compared to where? Yeah. I, I think... There are, you know, there are racists in this country as there are racists in every country. But to, to, to label a country as institutionally racist is, I think, completely, completely wrong. And it's certainly not the case. And I, 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 the, the results of that uh, report, which I'm sure will be as, as, uh, as applauded as they are criticised by the, by, the mm. by the two camps, it, it's certainly what I, what I think. You know, the, the, this, I, you know, the unconscious bias training, yeah. I find terrifying and, and dystopian yeah I mean, it, it comes out of it, there's the the implicit association test that was sort of put together by two american academics um Mazarin Banerjee and anthony greenwald from harvard and, and washington universities and they you know they identified this tendency amongst people when, when the, basically the test showed that people tended to um uh, be, be quicker to feel comfortable in, in what they recognized as familiar mm and to be not quite so instantly welcoming to what looked like the outsider. And this and this has become modified into thinking that people make these unconscious biased decisions. Mm. But there's also instantaneous perception in human psychology, which is which is innate. It's not even just human. You know, pe people tend to feel comfortable when they recognize instinctively what they what they're familiar with. Yeah. So so a, a white baby will be will be more inclined to be reassured by the presence of white faces and a, and a black baby will be more in, Inclined to be reassured by this, the presence above of, of black faces or faces that look like your own. That's just instantaneous. But what if a perception. white baby didn't know that there were white people? If a white baby only ever saw black faces, then presumably that would be the and comforting the, um, uh, familiarity, absol right? Absolutely. These are these are the problems with it. You, yeah. you become comforted by what you take for granted around you and what you see. Yeah. And what you see, and and so and so, it depends what you are surrounded by. Mm. That you know that will make you that will make you comfortable. Yeah. And you will you will reflexively be, feel feel just you would drop your guard. Yeah. Where and you this, unconsciously us, feel comfortable. And this takes us back to what the problems are in this country, which I've been saying for a long time, are much for, much more to do with poverty, much more to do with circumstance, much more to do with um, class than anything to do with race. Because you know, if you're surrounded constantly by people um, who deal drugs you're more than likely to end up as a drug dealer. Uh, if you're surrounded by people um, who offer you the opportunity to do, you know, academic things, you're more likely to go into academia. You know, it's not rocket science, is it? I'm sure that, I'm sure that must be right. I mean, that just sounds like simple uh, logical deduction to me. Um, 
And I just don't, I just, I think uh, encouraging entire populations, almost strong arming entire populations into accepting that they're born bad. Yeah. That they are, that they are genetically wrong. Yeah. It, again, it's that religious element. I mean, that's just that's just the return of original sin in another form. You're, yeah. you're basically saying to people, believe me, you are born uh, fallen. You are wrong from the beginning. And the most you can hope to do is make amends yeah. for the wrongness that is in your very nature. Mm. Now, that's, that's, that's that religiosity that I'm talking about. And I think absolutely over the last year, the way in which education has been compromised for goodness knows how many millions of children in this country and, and around the world on account of lockdown restrictions. Well, we'll see in the years ahead the extent to which that has mm. compromised people's opportunities yes, and the, and the effect that that has on people in the longer term. Mm. And yes, it's always, it's always the case that it, it's, it's poverty and class and it's exclusion from education and those kinds of uh, door opening opportunities that make the difference. Yeah. And, and to, 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 to have people focus all their attentions on whether or not people are white, black or brown and whether you know white people are good or white people are bad from birth, I don't see that that's helpful in any way no. in, if you're striving towards a, a, a civilization based upon equality of opportunity. Yes, and a fair and equal society as well. And of course, the next battleground after this one is going to be the, the, the gender battleground. We saw yesterday that story from Australia where um, boys in a school uh, in Victoria were, were told to stand up at assembly and apologise uh, for all the rape that had taken place, um, not by them, but by men and by the male um, gender to the to girls at the school. The school have now finally worked out that wasn't a great idea, and they've now apologised for, for to, to the parents for causing anguish. But but I mean, it's quite extraordinary the numbers of people and the industries that have grown up around this kind of blame game. That has to be wrong-headed, and, yeah. and, and and even if there was any, even if it was the even if it was the right thing to do, which it isn't, right. it would it, it isn't equally applied. I mean, one of the, one of the things that always happens in the aftermath of of, of whatever terrorist atrocity. You know, a, a, a perpetrator will be identified, and and it very quickly becomes about their race and their creed and their and their religion and mm. whatever. But we're very, but but society has become very attuned to saying, no, no, you can't just tar everyone who shares that race and creed and religion. You can't tar them with the same brush mm. just because that one individual has done something dreadful. Right. And so, why would you stand up all boys and have them and have them? speak out and share guilt for things they haven't done mm. you know why why would you say that why would you encourage boys i'm the, i'm the father of two sons what what on earth would possess a person to encourage their their boy child to grow up thinking that he was inherently bad and right. toxic because he's been born male but this is why this is why it's no it's no accident neil that the people identified by this report as the most um underachieving and most underprivileged are white working class boys because that's where we put them uh, well yes th th that's you know the the a lot of the statistics as i roughly understand them yes are showing exactly that that the most hard done by the most underachieving group in, in british society uh, are are white working class boys but that's an uncomfortable truth for for those that dr that drive the alternative ideologies mm. because because it doesn't fit um and it, i i just know that as a as a father of sons and a, i have a daughter as well and we just we go i mean our 
100% of our effort all the time between the three of them is to encourage them to to be respectful to one another. Yes. F- full stop. Mm. You know, the, 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 we just encourage them to treat each other decently, and we and we we uh, we we stress the idea that you know that there are no good people or bad people. You're not born like that. Yeah. All all any of us has is the potential at any moment of any given day to do something good mm. or to do something bad. Yeah. You know, and and across your lifetime, you would you would hope, I would think, that you would have managed to to uh, you know perform more good acts than bad. But there are no, you can't tell people that because they're born white or born male, that they're inherently toxic or they're more inclined to do bad things. That is that way madness lies. Well, it is. It's a kind of twisted ideology, and I'm afraid that uh, hopefully, with the beginning of this uh, uh, this report today, we might be able to sort of you know blow some of that stuff up and, and stop people saying it because it is damaging. And I think a lot of people who do say these things are unfortunately involved in education. They're involved in in sort of you know melding young minds, and I think it's time that they that they stopped. Um, before we let you go, Neil, let's talk a little bit about your lockdown uh, situation because I thought I heard yesterday, did I not, uh, that you're now going to be given permission uh, to go a little bit further afield than you've been allowed so far. I had a I had a text message. Are from we? A, I had a text message from a friend of mine who lives in Gla- South Side of Glasgow, uh, who said, "You know, I'm worried that uh, the only chance you're going to get to see me is to come to Canvas Lang, which is about the, as far as I'm allowed to go." And I thought, you know, that's never going to happen. <laughs> that, do you know, honestly, Mike? I I've, as I've said to you before numerous times on this, I, I I'm not I'm not keeping a close uh, eye on this hour by hour because the because the situation uh, you know just keeps on changing, right. and I've I've got myself into a kind of a into a kind of a rut here i just do the i just do the same things every day i go on the same dog walk are you wearing the path the same down path. are you wearing it down uh, as, you, as you go yeah so i don't i don't actually slavishly watch and pay attention to the idea that you know this time tomorrow i'll be able to go another couple of hundred yards further right. away from the house i don't i don't honestly know oh no it's madness isn't it i mean we're all looking forward very much to april the 12th where we can actually sit outside a pub uh, and and, uh, and and have a drink and it's ridiculous that that's the aim, and that's the kind of the the, the great uh, the great sort of manner from heaven is that you can go to a pub, but you can't go inside it, you know. But that's I, as, I as said, far as we go. I said to my wife Trudy just today, just when we were out walking the dogs round the same path, I said, if and when I get asked to do something, I'm already nervous about it. Right. Whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to I used to spend half my life on long haul flights to right. the other end of the world, and mm. and you know, and, you know, nipping in and out of airports, and and you know, doing all sorts of things, and now the just the mere prospect of having to go and do something that I haven't done for a year. Is is filling me right. with this kind of agoraphobic dread? Right. Well, it's I mean, only the, the been good a news, year of my life. I know. I suppose the good news is it won't be like anything you've ever done before, though, because I'm similarly um, sort of not nervous as such, but I'm really not looking forward to getting on a plane for which yeah, I have to wear a to mask. Because if I have to wear a mask for a seven-hour flight to New York, that is not an enjoyable thing. Yeah, I'm already thinking I just won't go. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not necessarily saying change the rules because of poor little me. Yeah, but I'm, I'm already thinking that it might be a coin toss where I'm thinking if I have to spend, you know, seven hours to Dubai and then thirteen hours to Sydney to get to Australia, yeah. all about wearing a mask. I, I don't know if I'm going to go. I mean, I'm old enough. That just sounds like too much. I'm old enough to remember the days when you got on a jumbo and you sat at the back and you smoked about twenty Marlboro Lights while you were travelling. Um, and drank about, you know, five bottles of wine. Um, you know, I haven't done that for a very long time for obvious reasons. But, you know, I mean, this this sounds like hell to me. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I think, again, it's all, it's all in and around that, 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 uh, that idea that it's giving people just new reasons to divide yeah. and to segregate into groups, you know, mm. those who are, who are, who are, um, there's a great story from the making of just before I go that uh, the, the a bridge too far oh, yeah. uh, when they filmed that and it was a cast of thousands and the people were being drawn in extras from the surrounding villages into the countryside to film battle scenes right. and the the costume departments were handing out uniforms at random first come first served right. so some people got officers uniforms and most people got you know uh, other ranks right. and by the first tea break the people in officers' uniforms were refusing to sit with the guys <laughs> of other ranks. They were wanting to group together. That's great. Because they were already they had already identified themselves as separate. Yeah. You know, that's that's innate but that's, to human behaviour. that's behavior. it, isn't it? Because the people we're talking about now who are wearing masks and walking around in the outdoors with masks on, and there's the very same people who weren't doing that this time last year. Because I remember when it first all started, I would go, my, 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 my big excitement was to go to Waitrose in Greenwich, you know, for a Saturday morning. Um, and nobody was wearing a mask, not one person, because in those days we weren't told to. But all these people that are now wearing them are only doing it because they've been told to. Yeah, and but 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 people take it's not a, it's not a criticism, but but there are many people who who take comfort from being given sets of rules: food not to eat, yeah. but times of the day to wash your hands, wash your face, yeah. words to say at certain times of the day, places to go, people you can talk to, people you can't. Now that gets folded into most of the organised great faiths of the world, mm. and as well as being interested in the idea of a transcendent deity, a lot of people just take comfort and reassurance from from following rules. I don't eat that because I don't eat that, and that's the church I don't go to. That that appeals to an aspect of human nature, and for want of anything else, I think there's just an awful lot of people out there who've been handed a book of rules about COVID. And they're quite happy to obey it because it gives them it gives their day a scaffolding and a structure that holds it up. Mm. This is what I do. Here's where I go. You know, here are the people that I talk to yeah. and the places that I avoid. Yeah. And that, you know, that plays that plays into human nature. And it's going to be hard, supposing governments ever did, if they ever did want to get away from this, it'll be it'll be very hard to get some people out of it. Yeah. So that they're prepared to go and be in a crowded pub or be in a football stadium or, you know, or, or just simply mix in a busy supermarket with lots of unmasked people. Mm. For, for, for a lot of people, that's going to be a kind of a, you know, a, a, a breach of their new faith. Or maybe a bridge too far just to... Uh, or just a bridge to, too far. Just to bring it back. Brilliant stuff. Neil, thank you very much indeed. Neil Oliver, archaeologist, TV presenter, thinker, a man who says some very interesting things. And I mean, that is extraordinary, isn't it, what he was telling us about that movie and uh, the fact that the officers in the, uh, in, in, the, in the costumes that they were given wanted to hang out with the other officers. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Justin, who's in London. Hi, Justin. How you doing, Mike? Very well, sir. What can I do for you? Yeah, I just uh, I kind of disagree with this whole this report that's come out today. Okay. I'd like to. I'd kind of like to know. Well, it sort of feels like, from your perspective, that the report comes out and that's job done then. There's no racism. Well, I mean, they've asked this organisation, which is actually uh, given the title of, a, of an organisation you would think that would say that there would be racism in the society because, you know, they're actually, you know, their name, the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities, would suggest that there are disparities because that's the name of the commission. However, they say there is no institutional racism. That doesn't mean there's no racism at all. It just means there's not institutional racism, which is a, a phrase that I think has been dreamed up by people who like making money out of the race industry. Uh, I don't know. According to who? I mean, we've just had this Meghan Markle thing come out. Um, we know, we know. Well, it's been when you say this but... Meghan Markle thing, you mean what exactly? Well, to, well, I'll put it. I'll put it in simpler terms. Then, like, it was no surprise to the majority of black people in this country that there was racism in the monarchy. How, how like has she proven people. that there's racism in the monarchy? No, I didn't say that, Mike. I said that it was no surprise to the black population in this country yeah to, to, for there to be for there to be racism yeah, but she hasn't pro- yeah but she hasn't said there's racism in the royal family has she uh, well she, she said that there was there was issues around archie's color and i was like well, duh. well she uh, says that but she says that but she doesn't give any evidence for it they don't tell us who the person was that supposedly said something that might have been considered to be racist right, but it wasn't yeah. necessarily so for you to say that it was no surprise that there was racism in the royal family that's not a correct statement is it uh, well, let's go back to Stephen Lawrence, and then let's go back to all right. Let's go back to Stephen Lawrence. Yeah. Let's go back to the, 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 the stop and search laws, which in, in, that can consistently target black and ethnic, ethnic people. It's, let's, all right, let's move on from that though. My big thing was around the white working class boys. Yeah. What, what's your What's your point about them? The point is that yes, I grew up with a lot of these working, white working class boys who were on dinner ticket, come from single parent homes, all the like. Fair enough, they were in poverty just like the black people were. Yeah. But but if they if, if they manage to overcome all these disadvantages, I'd suggest that they've got a much better chance of turning their lives around. Well, not according to this, not according to this report. According to this report, white working class boys are by far and away 
the most underprivileged and most underperforming group of people in so the why, country. Why, why, why would you say that? Why do you say that is, though, Mike? Why? Because I think poverty has a lot to do with it. I think single parenting has a lot to do with it. I think their circumstances have a lot to do with it. I would think you, education agree? has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure all sure of those things. I think all of those things much, feed in to it. Would you agree there's a much greater spread? There's white people in the upper class, the middle class and the working class. Well, the point about... Yeah, but Justin, the point about, about life in general, Justin, is that there are people in different classes. And I think there's no doubt that people who are working class tend to have a worse uh, outcome in life than people who are middle class. There's no doubt about right. that. But there are plenty the of middle class Asian families, plenty of middle class black families and people who yeah, you see yeah. from those communities. Well, so it would be wrong to say that just by being black, you have a disadvantage because there are people who are black who have a more of an advantage because they're middle class over somebody white who's working class. I don't right, think that's I mean, a difficult concept, is it? I mean, I mean, to wrap it up, because I don't think I'm going to convince you, but I would say... I would say it's not a question you know, of convincing me. These are the facts. These are what is reported. These are the things... These are the things... No, it's not according to me. It's according to the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities. You guys stand up there and you sit and you sit at every take every opportunity you can to minimize the fat race that exists in the country. That's not true. your interest. No, you, it's not. You and your children. Why is, why yeah. is it in my interest? Because what do you mean, scared. Justin? What do you mean by that? Why is it in my interest to say there's not because racism scared, in this country? You're scared that, you're scared that the, the, the minorities in there are running amuck. What? Every, every, yeah, what? I see it with the, what am I example, scared of exactly? For example, Why? for example... Do you think you're a racist, Justin? Do I sound like a racist? I don't know. Do you what think you are? I'm, I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, do you, think, do you think you are a racist? I'm not a racist. But I do why, do you, why, do you, why do you think you're not a racist? For a start, I'm 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 black, but I'm mixed with a white person. Oh, mixed, mixed oh right. So you're not start. racist because you're black. No, I said I'm black. I'm mixed race myself. Right. And also, well, and you also, can still be a racist if you're mixed race. Yeah, of it doesn't course mean you, can. you can't of be a racist. Can. Racism is natural. It's a natural thing. Natural. I'm against uncle. So I'm do against, you think everybody's racist then? Yes, to a certain extent. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, it's only, but it's only, it's only white people that get to exercise their racism. Black people don't get to exercise it, Mike. Why not? That's the, that's the... For example, where's the where are all where are all the black t- uh, broadcasters on talk radio? Where are they? We Where don't, are the minority? We... You're, it's an all-white lineup, Mike. You're in London, mate. Yeah, OK, so we're in London. Well, so, so, yeah, so, what? so what? What do you mean, so what? Well, what difference does not that one. make? If there are black broadcasters that we make? would want to hire, then we would hire them. We wouldn't There's not no hire them because they were here. black. And I'm not responsible for hiring people. I'm only responsible for my own show. I see you, Julie Hartley Brewer, Ian Collins, the lot of you. I see, and if you go over to LBC, Ian Dale, the rest of them, these white liberals, white conservatives. Do you, know, do you know who's on LBC at the moment? <sighs> David Lammy. Yeah, what colour is he? Mate, that's one. Where, where's the David Lammy on your show? Well, David Lammy can't be in two places at once. He's not that clever. There's, there must be more than one uh, competent black man to, to, to speak on these kinds well, of Well, there may well be. And if, we, and, if, and if we are presented with somebody... Racist, then. And with, no, I don't think so. I don't think you can say that. I don't that. hear many black callers. I don't hear many black callers, to be honest. How do you know think... if a caller's black or not? Well, I, 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 how they identify themselves. Really? How they identify well, I don't ask people show. what I don't ask people what colour they are when they ring the show. I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear, Mike. Let's, let's not miss about. How I mean, is it pretty clear? Well, you obviously listen to the show a lot, do you? Yeah, I do. I okay. do. I'm not one of these woke left, woke leftist black guys, Mike. I'm, I'm I'm open to reasoning, but what I'm saying to you, Mike, people people like yourselves who have a platform, you do you do yourselves down by minimising what what people got. I'm not minimising anything. In this country, I'm not minimising anything. 
How am I minimising anything? I'm talking about a report which has come out. Once again, I'll give you the name of the title. The Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities have said that Britain is not institutionally racist. If you disagree with that, you're perfectly welcome to disagree. In the school. What what happened, what happened showing the, they're showing a picture of the Prophet Muhammad to a bunch of Muslim kids in the school. It's mocking them. They couldn't find any other picture of the Prophet Muhammad. They had to find the why, one. Why are, you talking about, one. why are you talking about a school now? Because it's all the same thing. It's inter- people are getting away with murder. Who's getting That's away with murder? The only person in that in, 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 in situation, yeah. the only murder that was ever talked about was the murder of a teacher in France who was murdered by a Muslim fundamentalist. I didn't say murder. I said the gaslighting. You said people on. are getting away with murder. Those were your words. That's okay, what you said. You know, it, 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 it's hyperbole, Mike. Come on. Oh, sorry. Come on. You didn't mean on, murder then. I didn't yeah. actually mean murder, Mike. Okay. Well, what about the teacher who's been threatened with death? Yeah, that's not right, Mike. But well, that would what, be murder, wouldn't it? See, am I correct in saying that there was 70% Muslim kids in that school? So how did he ever, in his, in, in his, in his brain, get it around to the point where it shows... You do that know that something picture. similar happened two years before and there was no problem, right? You know that. Yeah, it's no problem because no one stood up. But, but well, because nobody make, complained make it right. about it. Let's, let, listen, this country... But also, that's not about colour, is it? It's about religion. You don't have to be Muslim. You don't yes, have to be brown yes, to be a Muslim. Again, there are plenty the of white, white majority, Muslims. It's the white majority minimising everyone else's... Well, you said the majority of kids in the school were Muslim. Uh, yes, and they deserve... So how is it the white majority? It's the, yes, the teacher, the school board, the head teacher. The, you know, so they, you don't they, want they, anybody they, in secretary. schools to be white? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm not saying that, Mike. What no, are I'm you saying, saying exactly, Justin? I'm saying what is your. Country, this is the point at which this is the point at which I say what exactly is your point, Justin? My point is that this country is introducing racism. Right. It's, well, you're wrong, aren't you? Racist. Because this commission says you're wrong. And so, so, you're, so we're better than America, you'd say? Of course, we are. <laughs> show me the trial that's going on in this country where a black man was uh, killed or possibly murdered by a police officer because he was black. Fair enough, that, 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 that's not happening. We had Stephen Lawrence. What happened to Stephen Lawrence? Stephen Lawrence was killed, wasn't he? Yeah. By some oh, racists. And who went to jail for Did anyone go to jail for that? Nobody did. Uh-huh. So how do you explain that then? Because the police messed it up. Oh, yeah, the, the institutionally racist police. Then. Yeah, but the Daily Mail yeah, actually yeah. campaigned on behalf of the people who were Stephen Lawrence's family. Mark Duggan. To try and, Mark Duggan. To try and, hang on, Mark Duggan was a drug dealer with a gun. Yeah, of course. So, so, uh, so what? So what? Okay, so drug dealers with guns are fine. You should just leave them alone, should you? Listen, mate, there was no gun. I don't, I don't, there was no gun. How do you know there that? No there was no. They Were that. you there? But anyway, I'm not going into all the conspiracy theories, Mike. I think I'm. My I, 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 is, I'm yeah. I'll ask you one more time, Justin. What is your point exactly? My point is that stop spreading your rubbish from your, rubbish. From your very myopic, myopic, ignorant rubbish. point of view. You're calling yeah. me ignorant. Not just you, Mike. It's not personal. Oh, I, okay. It's yeah, not like, personal. Everybody's no, ignorant. To, no, I used to watch your show. I used you to did? watch your show. Mike. Don't you watch it anymore? Mike Parry and yourself, Porky, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I love, used to love that thing. Do you think yeah, he's also racist. a racist? Uh, I think, I think, I don't think you're, um, I don't think you're, um, I think we're all, we're the same level of racist as everyone else. But it's just, only you're, you're a white man with a platform who is allowed to exercise it. That's my problem. That's my point. Okay, fine. Thanks Cheers. very much for calling. See you later. Justin seems a bit confused. I'm not quite sure what his point was. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, it's been a fascinating show, and uh, I can't tell you how happy I've been with a lot of the callers. Not all of them were uh, making me happy, but they were all very interesting, uh, and we will try and fit a few more of you in. However, uh, I do have a very special guest with me. He is, of course, Rupert Bell, uh, the man who is... uh, 
Well, you've got so many titles. I'm going to give you the Talk Radio's Royal Correspondent title. Welcome to uh, Talk Radio. I don't know if this is the first time you've been in with... I think it's the first time you've been here with me, anyway. Uh, it's a, I think I've, I have graced Julia with her presence once in yes. the studio. It's so the Queen of Talk Radio... And she is the undisputed Queen of Talk Radio. I, I had an audience with her. Yes. But uh, I'm delighted to be having an audience with you, Well, it's Mike, a very nice surprise. Right. I, want, I wasn't aware that you were going to be here. But let's talk, because we haven't got a great deal of time. First of all, let's talk about the Archbishop of Canterbury... Uh, who came out yesterday and basically said uh, that he's worried, Justin Welby's name is the Reverend Justin Welby, worried about cancel culture, worried about um, the tearing down of, of the establishment, and worried about the tearing down of statues, memorials, all of that. This is quite an important thing that I think he said, because he's normally quite liberal, isn't he, old Welby? Uh, sometimes accused of being far too mm. liberal within within the, the church, yeah. the sort of establishment uh, side of the church, mm. don't like the way he's taking it. Yes. But, yes, he, the cancel culture, and obviously it also relates to everything else that's going on, and he was making uh, maybe references to Meghan and Harry, what they said, and obviously there's a lot of uh, things being said, and he comes out and says they definitely got married on that Saturday. If yeah. I'd done it before, I'd have been breaking the law, and so it, it brings a big hole in, in one of the statements that Meghan and Harry said, I am sure they had a private blessing, mm. which is quite normal in rehearsals. And, and you know, the priest might just say, "We bless you." Yeah. But it's not a formal marriage as to what was as to what was said in that interview. So it just throws into doubt some of the things that she's been saying. And now, with the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, is Meghan then going to go against the leader of the Anglican Church for well, the wide world? Which is a, a big question for her to. Or to, is she, or uh, somebody, refute his, as what he said. As somebody pointed out last night, I think it was Harry Cole from The Sun, is she going to complain, in fact, to his employer, who in the final analysis is probably the Queen? Well, Isn't actually, it? I think probably... Head of the Church of England. Well, I think you might actually go a bit higher. Uh, probably could be God. Is his, <laughs> he would view God as his employer. Well, I'm sure she's got people that know God. I mean, almost certainly yeah. she would have a, a, a you know a communication line open. For well, that. I mean, and actually, then what about the the Bishop of Chicago who spoke at the wedding mm. at great length? Yes, I mean, was actually, he? Actually, that was a very long speech. Wasn't uh, it? I yeah, remember it, that. It was a long uh, speech. I, I remember thinking, when is this going to end? Uh, he uh, he got he got he got the he got the fever in it. He did. Um, he did. But you know, it, we all you know we enjoyed the day. But is the, so was he speaking under false pretenses? Well, blessing them on that mm. day uh, when they were getting married. So it does just throw into a question mark some of the things. And obviously, this is an easy one to actually say legally they were only married on that Saturday. Right. So she could have Megan should come out and say, "Oh, I got it wrong," but clearly her. Uh, she's not one for backtracking, no, I don't not. think. But also in the context of the story we've been doing today, which is this report that's come out from the uh, Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities, which has basically said, look, Britain is not an institutionally racist country. I entirely agree with that. Um, I was very, uh, shall we say, suspicious of the allegations made by Harry and Meghan about the racism alleged uh, that the royal family was showing. I'm still not convinced that, that whatever did happen was in any way racist. Um, what do you make of all that? Uh, I, I think, again, there are question marks. I don't think the royal family clearly, damned if it does, damned if it doesn't, it's mm. in a very difficult position talking about this issue. It's obviously got to try and make sure within 
the employment, that it is a, you know, there is no bias within the environment. And I think given that they are head of the Commonwealth, uh, Commonwealth, they cannot afford to be seen to be racist in this modern era. And so I don't think you wouldn't, you know, they're old fashioned, yes. Mm. But the one thing you probably couldn't say about Charles is, and who's always been very aware of everything, he's even, you know, embracing all religions. He's never hid his light under a bushel as far mm. as that's concerned. He wants to embrace all cultures. So I wouldn't say that they are inherently racist. They just are at times maybe old fashioned and yeah. don't keep up with the times. But I'm not saying and I'm sure the way the royal family wanted Meghan and Harry to work as a marriage at the beginning suggests to me that they didn't have any racist no. undertones. But it's a difficult one, you know, for, for them to deny her allegations because that they're not used to it's not their place to come out and start making statements no. and well, it's really not and i mean some people say it is their place to do that and they should do that but in fact it's difficult to answer an allegation which is not very specific and they haven't made a specific well, allegation uh, william did make something you know when asked and yes. made that statement on the hoof yes. but he clearly wanted to say something mm. and just get it off his chest because i'm sure he's feeling deeply hurt that his brother is having a go at his family. Yeah. He doesn't say, he's, he's saying, I'm not feeling trapped within it. So it is, you know, yes, he's gone to America, Harry, but many people say, well, why can't he just get on with his life? Mm. He's getting all these jobs now, which um, clearly you know, he will blend very well within the sort of Californian culture yes. where they do um, embrace, you know, there's a lot of sp strange speak comes out, but that may be culturally what Americans think is normal and what we think, you know, it's potato, tomato, isn't yeah. it? Um, you know, potato, 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 potato. Or, yeah. <laughs> I was getting ahead of myself. I got, That's OK. I, it's easily done. But this is the thing. I mean, people have said as well to me, and, and you'll have seen this before, mm. Rupert, with many other kind of controversies with the royal family, that the royal family always wins, basically. I mean, there are people who come at them, uh, but they generally do not have much success at kind of changing the royal family in a big way. No, and yes, they had when Diana died, they did need to appear to sort of come and react a bit quicker as what people wanted, but they did react. But it did take them time to regain the total public affection. But this again, you know, the Meghan Harry one has got it's very strong sides. So it doesn't you know the, the Meghan side are vociferous, mm. and of course there will be lots of people defending wholeheartedly the royal family, whatever. Mm. But yet, what the royal family need to do is make sure that they feel within their own right that they've got everything under control and they're doing the right thing. And you might say, why didn't they do the bullying inquiry earlier yeah. to those allegations about people uh, who accuse Meghan of bullying? So those are the things. That, why have they only done it after the but interview? But in, in a way, the only reason that I could think of for that was that they wanted to try and protect Meghan from any allegations that might get out that might make her look uh, somehow in a bad light. And I think that is exactly what they were trying to do. Mm. They were trying to protect Harry and Meghan um, from the the press and, and, and highlighting any issues because the royal family want to put a dampener on things. Yeah. But now they've split. Uh, then it's very much, and some of the, you know, Harry saying he's been left financially adrift. Well, it appears that he's got quite a lot of money from a Queen Mother. I wish I was that financially adrift. Well, it appears he's got that, and he's got 12 million from his mother, which he then said, is quoted as saying, or allegedly have said, well, my, mo my mother had the foresight for seeing this. No, she just makes, she was a rich woman, mm. and she was able to provide for her children in whatever circumstances they were going to find themselves. And so 
for Harry. They go, he goes over to America with 12 million for starters from his mother. And it appears he got the bulk of the 14 million that the, uh, that the Queen Mother, I think, passed on to the because knowing that William was going to get as the future king, he would get mm. the Duchy of Cornwall. So, you know, Harry's got to. You know, this is why Harry, who once was this fun-loving guy who was a brilliant, loved in them when he was in the, uh, in the army. He loved setting up the Invictus Games, was a wonderful passion, and he brought people in and enthusiasm. Now, unfortunately, in this country, there does seem to be feeling, well, what's he gone and done to himself? Mm. He, he doesn't look that fun-loving guy anymore. He doesn't. He doesn't look like he's having any fun, in fact. No. And who can blame him? Because I wouldn't be having any fun if I was married to her either, but that's another story. Rupert Bell, thank you very much indeed. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.